What's up, everyone? MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 98, your weekly podcast covering everything Magic the Gathering related. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and mtggoldfish.com. The crew is in attendance, Chaz, as always. Uh, I cover finance-related stuff do, uh, and just all-around MTG content. Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish. What's up, Richard? Hey, Chaz. What's going on? It's going well. Seth, our resident uh, jank brewer and... and uh, <laughs> Against the Odds Builder, or better better known as uh, Saffron Olive. What's up, Seth? Oh, what's up, guys? Ready for some E3 Volt spoilers? Yes. I <laughs> I was just talking about this. Richard always claims, what are we going to talk about? And then stuff happens. So I think you need to keep that up, because all this stuff ends up happening. <laughs> so we need more accidental leaks and <laughs> random, uncoordinated Facebook posts. And we get spoilers. We're about a month ahead of normal spoiler season. And there was that leaked uh, game day promotional thing that went out. So we got to see all the promo cards last week. And then yesterday, they revealed a Johnny in Portuguese, I believe. And then the Korean Facebook page apparently was trying to post the Korean version of that. But they posted the other Johnny, the the Planeswalker (laughs) deck of Johnny. So I think Wizards Today was just like, whatever. They released their packaging article, which has all the promos, the Johnny from the set, and the two Planeswalker deck Planeswalkers to kind of get ahead of the leaks. So we have uh, six, seven new spoilers to talk about today. And normally we don't get them until the beginning of January. So Right. There's usually and- like a, a low period during December. Go ahead, Seth. In defense of the Korean Facebook page, the two Ajani's do look amazingly similar. Like, <laughs> same converted mana cost, same loyalty. So it seems like a reasonable mistake to make. Yeah. Uh, also on the docket, so we're going to talk everything spoilers. Uh, we're th- we're going to have a tournament wrap-up. Apparently, standard isn't as broken <laughs> as we thought. Uh, so maybe they just wanted to stick it to you, Seth. <laughs> standard, uh, we'll talk about it. It's still yeah, pretty yeah, broken. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, some some FNM promo talk. Uh, Seth, you wrote a great article today about FNM promos. So we wanted to bring up Fortune's Favor, which is the this current month, the com- upcoming month. February. Uh, it's the latest announced one, so February. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll wrap it up with some fish mail. So let's just jump right into the spoilers. Richard, take it away. All right. So let's talk about the new Ajani. So this is in the main set, Ajani Unyielding. Four green and a white, so six converted mana costs, four loyalty, plus two. Reveal the top three cards of your library, put all non-land permanent cards revealed this way into your hand, and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Minus two, exile target creature. Its controller gains life equal to its power. And minus nine, put five plus one plus one counters on each creature you control, and five loyalty counters on each other planeswalker you control. I'm so happy. So intro pack planeswalker or main <laughs> set planeswalker? Oh, I don't know about this card. I don't think it's. I don't think it's that good. Wait, you're talking about the the set one? Yeah, we're talking about the set one, right? For yeah, six yeah, mana, yeah. this is what you want to be doing. This this reminds me of of Soren, and I think that's the the ceiling okay. is the six mana Soren, oh. where maybe you can play this as a one of in a certain deck, uh, maybe two of if you really find the perfect home. But to me, that's the type of card this is is a is another Soren, a one of here or there if you find the right build type of card. What? No. Uh, all right, Chaz, explain to us why this is good. Oh. Okay, first of all, Soren was black and white, so legitimately. That that was actually really restrictive in terms of of cost. This is okay. Just a simple fact, wait, and wait, I'm not wait. Black I'm not and white biased. is restrictive, and green and white is not restrictive. It's green, so it automatically has a better shot than black and white. I mean, you can you can at least ramp this in a in a way or play actually better cards. Like there, black and white was just so bad. For a long time. And, okay, okay. So a six-mana walker, you were telling me that healing salve for plus three <laughs> had a better shot than this? No, no, It has, no, like, no. legitimately better, better pluses than, than or a, a legitimate better plus. It protects itself. It's like a, a swords to plowshares. 
But isn't that exactly what Soren does? Is that like, isn't my comparison like the plus one generates card advantage, the negative kills a creature, the ultimate is obviously good because it's an ultimate. Like, isn't that almost exactly Soren down to a T? Like, I don't know why it's unreasonable to expect a Soren level of play from this card. This just doesn't strike me. It's six mana. Are you really going to play this in a four of? It's restricted in what decks it can go in because you need a lot of non-land permanence to make the plus ability really be powerful. You can't really play it in a spell-heavy control deck because you're just going to whiff. So I I don't know. That's that's my take on it. I think it's fine, but I think it's like a one of top end card in a creature heavy mid range type deck, maybe more than okay. a four of staple. Yeah, I'll agree. You're not probably you're probably not playing four copies. I'll agree that it it might take some time for this to be good, but it legitimately. I mean, the six mana Chandra was played, and it it didn't really protect itself. I mean, the three the three ones. I guess generated pressure, but this removes creatures. So, and then it's plus two is essentially Chandra, and then the ultimate okay is comparable. But I mean, Chandra saw play at six mana. No one ever thought Chandra would see play. What Chandra but I mean, has a wrath attached to Chandra, right? We talk about the same Chandra here. Like I don't know the I think, six mana one, the one from Oath. I think Ajani's pretty bad, and I think. You see Swords to Plowshares and think of the glorious like uses and legacy, but I think Swords to Plowshares and Standard is really bad. You don't want a Swords, you know, an 8-8 Verdus Gear Hulk and Emrakul and have them gain, you know, 8 or 13 life or whatever, because that's actually a big deal when all you're doing is smashing mid-range decks into each other. So I, I actually don't like Johnny and We've seen some fearsome six-mana walkers, and Johnny's not one of them. He might see play as a one-of somewhere. You know, you might bring him in the mirror match when you expect to go grindy, but I just can't see Johnny doing anything useful. Like, you could almost convince me this was the Planeswalker deck, Johnny. <laughs> like, to me, it's that borderline. Like, I can look at it, I'm like, oh, they're upping the power level of the Planeswalker deck now, huh? <laughs> I think, though... Where I do like this card is casual decks, because one thing they've done with a Johnny recently is it's like the planeswalker that cares about other planeswalkers. And the ultimate, where you put five loyalty counters on each other planeswalker you control, I imagine this being like staple in Super Friends, Commander decks, casual planeswalker decks. So I think it's a, a cool card in that sense. But as far as seeing competitive playing standard, I I think it's going to be a tough a tough road for Johnny to get there. I'll tell you, it, it sticks around for quite a long time. So, like I said, I agree that it might not be a, a hit at first, but legitimately, Shadows and uh, Eldritch Moon rotate, well, NBFZ and all that rotate, and we're left with this. So, after that, I, I think it's it, it will be good at that point. But, I mean, I still think it's pretty good now. I mean, it's real, <laughs> it's three good abilities on a Planeswalker. Uh, not for six mana, though. I mean, it's like it does good stuff. Mm. It does things. But would you pay six mana to draw two cards? Or would you pay six mana to Swords to Plowshare or something? Like, usually, I want it to win. And I want it to win fast when it comes down. And he seems a little dirtily. And that's exactly what you want if you have a mid-range mirror. But in other matchups, I, I don't think it's worth putting this in. Because you can't even cast it half the time, right? Getting a six mana is a big cost. So it needs to actually do a lot at six. And... We've had some pretty good walkers. I, I would say Soren is objectively better than Ajani. And Soren barely saw play. So I think Ajani will see kind of that level of play as well. And isn't that almost exactly what the last green white Ajani was? Like sort of this mirror breaker for mid range because you like churn through your deck and find siege rhinos and other planeswalkers. And that was uh, like the role of the last Ajani. I'm not remembering its name right now for some reason. The it was like the Dragon Mage one. Mentor, or, yeah, yes, Mentor of one. Heroes. Yeah. Uh, so I imagine this could do something similar and see play in that regard, like Richard mentioned. But that's those are the comparisons I see. And it's not, it doesn't strike me as a Liliana or a Jace the Mind Sculptor where you're just building your deck around this. It's more like, oh, my deck can support this. It's going to be good in some matchups. I'll stick a copy or two in. Yeah, and just on a meta note, I, I just dislike the story of Ajani and where he's going. I mean, look at the thing he's carrying. It's like a double-sided scythe or whatever. And since he's gone green, he's gone big and dirtily. 
Give me the mono white Ajani. Give me the Boros Ajani. Give my guys double strike and flying and just like axe them down quickly. And I, I don't like this like protector Ajani who's just drilling around and trying to get card advantage. Is is I that a plowshare? Oh, I, th I think that's a. I think it's called a Vulge. V o u l g e. Is that a real weapon or is that a magic weapon? No, no, it's legitimately a real, a real yeah, weapon. I mean, if you're yeah. going to wield that thing, I expect people to be dying left and right and, yeah, and yeah. Not, <laughs> not drawing cards off the top of my deck. I, I, I get that. <laughs> I, I I get the the story arc only. I, I don't I don't understand what he's doing here on Kaladesh. I guess we'll figure it out, but you're right. I mean, taking up the green was all always kind of like a eyebrow razor. Like, why is Ajani suddenly green? But now it's just like, what is he even? What what is he even doing here? He's just walking around, putting plus one plus one counters. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, I, uh, yeah, giving people plowshares now. He's like, hey, what's up? I'm on the artifact plane for some reason. <laughs> so, so I, I I think I know your answer to this, but we actually have another Ajani that was spoiled. How much better? How I know you're gonna say it's better, but how much better is the Ajani from the set than the Planeswalker Ajani? To be honest. I was looking... So, actually, let, let Richard read the card first. All right. So, Ajani, Valiant Protector. Four green and a white. So, also six converted mana cost. Also starts at four loyalty. Plus two. Put two plus one plus one counters on up to one target creature. Plus one. Reveal a card from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card. Put that card in your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Minus eleven. Put X plus one plus one counters on target creature, where X is your life total. That creature gains trample until end of turn. Okay, so <laughs> I actually think like they're they're kind of like right there. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a huge gap. It's like almost like they want you to use both of them, like one in like a very creature heavy deck. One in like just as as like a standalone good like value card, and I think I know where you're going with this set because it's like they're they're actually getting better as we go along. Like the the Planeswalkers deck, like at first was like, oh, you know, the premise is you know they're supposed to be you know beginner friendly and not that very like not very good, but it's like almost like we're at the point, and it's like it didn't. We just started with the Planeswalker decks, and like they're already in consideration of being like actually viable. So, for the uh, listeners, I'm just going to state that both Chaz and Seth have gone, you know, crazy as this podcast goes on. First, we have <laughs> the other Nissa. What was this Nissa? Nature's Artisan. Oh, Nature's Artisan as being standard playable, and now you're telling me a Johnny Valiant Protector <laughs> you're considering for your standard deck. Well, well, okay. I would have to see the Planeswalker cards because legitimately <laughs> you can't even tell me that the, I, I looked at the Nissa card and was like, it was actually a good card. <laughs> like, you got a land and and you got the Planeswalker. Did you for watch against the odds where I made Seth play a Planeswalker deck? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's what <laughs> this, this is actually pretty decent too. Like the plus one could legitimately, well, it always hits. <laughs> so you always get something out of it. The plus two is like, ah, uh, okay, like, you know, not big deal. But And then the 11 could actually win the game, like, straight up right there. If this card yeah. costs four mana, you might have an <laughs> argument, but six mana I draw don't a card, six mana... <laughs> what is, like, plus two, plus two mutagenic growth? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah. I do think that one of the Planeswalker deck Planeswalkers from Ether Revolt are playable, but it's not a Johnny. No. What? Oh. All right, we're, we're going to <laughs> the most creative name of all time. <laughs> Keseret, Master of Metal. Four blue and a black. So also six converted mana cost. Five loyalty. Plus one, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal an artifact card. Put that card into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Minus three, target opponent loses life equal to the number of artifacts you control. Minus eight, gain control of all artifacts and creatures target opponent controls. 
So, so bear with me. You're playing. People are already playing decks that are playing all these random mana rocks to play <clears throat> like Colossuses, just flooding the board with artifacts. In those decks, you almost have a um, Tezra Agent of Bolus's ultimate as soon as this comes into play. Like this, think of this as a ten mana drain spell or burn spell for six mana in those artifact heavy Cultivator's Caravan, Prophetic Prism type decks. Isn't there at least some argument? You're already ramping, so six mana isn't the end of the world. You already have a ton of artifacts on the battlefield, and you can just almost one-shot your opponent with the negative three ability. There's no way. (laughs) So wait, you're telling me that this will actually see play over both Ajani's? That's what Uh, you're telling me. Well, over the the dual deck Ajani, for sure. Okay. I think this is the better of the two dual deck planeswalkers. Okay, I, I could agree with you on that one, but I. So we went from source to plowshares and all, pretty much sometimes ancestral recall on green, like in a green white card to 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 this. Well, <laughs> I I, I actually no I actually can see an argument for this working in a real deck. I I really can. Maybe it's just because I really love Tezzeret and. It's one of my favorite Planeswalkers, but yeah. I could imagine trying to build, not like an against Oz deck, but a real standard deck and wanting Tezzeret in that deck. Okay. Uh, I agree with you. This is pretty good for a Planeswalker pre, wait, pre-constructed deck card. I, I absolutely agree with you. It's probably better than Najani 2, but I don't... Did you play during, like, Marod and Besiege standard? Uh, Yeah. So barely anyone played Tezzeret Agent of Bolas. And that's like an actual legitimately good card. That's that's true. <laughs> but and I I can't see if like if no one played Agent of Bolas, there's no way people could play this. But I think this format is more artifact heavy than that format was like yes they were both artifact sets but if you look at the big decks back then they weren't necessarily artifact strategies that were good so but we actually have artifact decks that are like not tier one at the moment but like tier two like the metalwork colossus decks uh that are really built around artifacts and i could see that slotting into one of those decks yeah, I think I think people could experiment with the. I was I was going to bring up the Colossus deck too. I think you have something there, but I, I don't know. I mean, mm, and it doesn't. I, yeah. Uh. The other thing is, this makes me really excited for real Tezzeret because if this supposedly bad Planeswalker deck one is close enough that I'm actually talking about it without with a straight face about maybe trying it in a deck. I imagine that the other Tezzeret, being the face card of Ether Evil, has to be super pushed and really good. Well, I, I mean, if if the if the two Ajani's are anything of a metric, <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> we might be pleasantly surprised that this could actually be better than the set version. <laughs> Eight mana Tezzeret incoming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, uh, I don't know. Maybe four mana, but like one. Ge- I could see the new Tezzeret being one generic and Grixis colors. That'd be pretty interesting. And have Tinker as one of the abilities. Yeah, maybe. No, I'm gonna say be- it's gonna be Sahili 2.0. Oh, it's gonna no. be like oh. really weird abilities that either break the format or do absolutely nothing. Kind of like the original Tezzeret. Yeah. Uh, actually, note on Sahili. This is like uh, just, just a, I just wanted to slip this in here that Sahili's like five bucks, and uh, I just, I don't know. That seems wrong to me. Because she sees well, zero it, play and has zero is, casual appeal. Well, well, it is well, yeah, but, but listen, like the the three mana Nissa was like five bucks at one point. Can, can I interest you in some Tibalt's jazz? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think overall, though, I, I mean, I, I'm excited because it's two green Planeswalkers, but, I mean, these are... So let me ask you, Seth, um, is this just, like, a testament to their to, to Wizards being able to make cards? Because, like, I think they're still two for two on... And, and I had a conversation about this, and I, I wanted to get both of your opinions. Like, is it just Planeswalkers in general that you can always talk about being generally viable because i don't know it always seems like they are always on the cusp and i think they're just really good at making magic cards but 
you know, these were designed to be bad. And, and it's always like they're still being talked about in, in a constructed and viable way. It it kind of scares me how the that they're somewhat close and we're having these conversations because that means if they ever miss just a little bit, we end up with the nightmare scenario of a standard staple that you can only get from a Planeswalker deck. So I would actually rather these Planeswalkers be worse than they are, as weird as that sounds, because I know sooner or later it doesn't take that much of a miss for them to end up accidentally making it slightly too good because we're already like kind of talking about these ones and if you're doing this four times a year two planeswalkers a planeswalker deck set sooner or later that's going to happen and i think that's kind of scary so i disagree with you because i disagree with the premise that these are playable (laughs) (laughs) uh for new players i think they're awesome i think they're super exciting they reveal kind of the quote-unquote expensive mythic side of magic where you get planeswalkers with powerful abilities and in casual decks, they're super fun. But I don't think they're remotely standard playable. And if they are playable, it's some weird fringe thing uh, rather than you know just being a good card. So I don't have that fear yet. But who knows? Maybe we'll see Deploy the Gatewatch playing four Planeswalker <laughs> deck. Planeswalkers <laughs> in the future soon. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I want to be excited for them. But honestly, on... Like, when you would be playing these, you could al- almost be playing Emrakul anyway. So it's like, <laughs> these guys, I mean, maybe that's just the problem. So that's why I kind of said, you know, I-, I would temper expectations, honestly, until those those uh, sets rotate. Yeah, they're more because exciting nothing, for gonna, Commander. Yeah. Or they're more exciting yeah. for teaching new players. Like, teaching new players, I can see people getting hyped. I mean, I was pretty hyped about the original two Planeswalker deck, right. Planeswalkers. But, like... Comparing this to a smuggler's copter or something like no, like no, it's not not. <laughs> well, even well, even the the pack. Uh, I mean, the actual set of Johnny. I mean, nothing looks good when you're casting like Emrakul for seven mana. So, and I, I mean, even if they're bad, I think it's still a good product because me and Richard actually yeah. battled them out, and it was better, way better than intro packs, uh, on par, or better than like the clash packs and the dual decks. So. I think this actually is a really good product, even if we're being optimistic and saying these cards could see standard play. I almost feel like they have to bump, you know, going forward that they have to always be locked in at seven mana. Because that just that's just like no chance standard. And, and I think you'll still get the same experience out of it. What if they made Tybalt a Planeswalker deck Planeswalker? <laughs> Too I don't powerful? think they're ever. I don't think they're ever putting Tibalt back in in Magic. That's like with that's a shame. Script mine and combo winner and on the list of things Wizards wants us to forget. I think <laughs> that's really a shame. Tibalt will it come really back is. and he will be so overpowered to erase his history. <laughs> It'll be like literally Tibalt the Mind Sculptor, like the real yeah. one, not not fake Chandra. <laughs> they'll they'll bring him back and he'll be the like super strong just so they can fix his uh, his muddied past here. Yeah, I do like that they're keeping a theme like they're six mana though, and I, I really I think these are successful. And and like like Seth said, I just I'm worried because like you said, I mean, if they're making pack so the actual set planeswalkers like six mana, and you can argue that one might be better than the other, I don't know. It's it's pretty awkward that both the Johnnies have the same converted mana cost and yeah. same starting loyalty. I it wish they weird. had varied that just because it's that strikes me as really odd not only do you have two of johnny's technically from ether revolt they're very similar in a lot of ways so i wish they had made maybe the the set one one mana cheaper or something just for the sake of not making it so confusing and making the two cards so similar yeah all right so let's move on to the other four cards uh that are the promo cards so first up, we have Yehenmi's Expertise. Two, black, black, sorcery. All creatures get minus three, minus three until end of turn. You may cast a card with converted mana cost three or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. Uh, this card's busted. This card's going to be call, very call, good. Call me in October uh, when uh, <laughs> Black Green Delirium is no longer a day. <laughs> is it busted I mean, I, for standard? 
Yeah, I think it's. I think this card guarantees that Black Green Delirium will remain good because it seems really amazing in that deck. Apart from your spiders, uh, your spider tokens, it doesn't really kill your stuff, and you can just like turn for this, wipe everything from a like a Mardu Vehicles deck or a deck like that, and drop a Liliana, for example. That seems pretty devastating on turn four. Kills Spellqueller, kills like literally anything, kills like Thalia, kills and and like Seth said, I mean, <laughs> playing this, dropping a Liliana, and then killing their Avison, like that said, I don't think it's a very good wrath. Like I, the freeness of it is what makes me excited, and I think it's more of a right. More of a, a matchup type card. It might even be a sideboard card for certain matchups. I don't know if it'll be main deckable because negative three, negative three does miss a considerable amount of stuff in this format. So I think that is a definite concern for immediately. But I think it's still good enough that it'll at least see sideboard play. And in modern is where I'm really excited with like boom yeah. bust, back call. Ancestral Visions, there's so many things you can... Essentially, it says three or less, but when you're playing a Boom Bust or something, that's like a six-mana spell that you're getting for free because of like the technicality of the rules. Yeah, I'd have to agree with Seth. In Standard, I, I'm not sure that it's going to be that good because these days, minus three toughness doesn't kill a lot when all your green creatures are basically Tarmogoyfs. Like, by this set, like four mana will probably get you like a 5-5 five, five or a 6-6 six, six or something. So this is not a RAF. This is more of a sweep the go-wide decks and then play a card, which seems fairish. In uh, Modern, I think, is where this thing gets ridiculous. Like Seth said, Boom Bus, uh, Ancestral Vision, Restore Balance. You can cast all kinds of weird stuff with this card. So the fact that it doesn't actually RAF uh, doesn't matter so much. And, you know, you might actually get the benefit of hitting some of the coddles and goblin guides and something if you're still alive. So I think modern is where it's more interesting. As weird as it sounds, this card could be exactly like it is, but not have the negative three, negative three. And it might be just as good in modern. (laughs) Like Exactly the same card. Just It sounds so weird. A four converted mana card that says you can cast something with converted mana cost three or less sounds horrible. But that's actually a really powerful text line. It might be better without that text because you can keep your lingering souls (laughs) trump blockers around. Oh, oh yeah, and also the negative three, negative yeah. three is is pretty bad with living end. Someone pointed out because you like kill your opponent's stuff potentially, and then they get it back when your living end resolves, which would be yeah. one of the uses for this card. Well, I mean, it's it's bad on that end, but you know, keep that in mind because something like beck and call, it would have been like a blowout to yourself because then you would have lost like all the birds or something like that. So it's it's bad like in one in in one scenario, but pretty pretty amazing and basically every other scenario yeah because of the minus three minus three resolves first i think it definitely has potential in modern and people will be brewing around it i mean the fact that you you can play this in decks that play simian spirit guide is like insanely crazy you can even use it to put a simian spirit guide into play for free gotcha yeah (laughs) i mean it and just another way to play blood moon is pretty much right up your alley so (laughs) <laughs> That's true in Snaring Bridge, Blood Moon, all the most important cards in Modern uh, you can play for free. Lantern? Yeah. Oh, so I know you've been on a Lantern Control stint recently, so... Ah, I have. <laughs> I don't know if this works, though, because it's so expensive within Snaring Bridge. It seems like it'll get stuck in your hand, but it, you never know. Yeah. All right, moving on, we have Trophy Mage. Tuna Blue, 2-2, Creature, Human, Wizard... When Trophy Mage enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an artifact card with converted mana cost 3, reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. I'm so tired of these cards. (laughs) I really am. I'm so tired of these cards. I don't think this one's especially relevant for standard. I mean, we haven't seen everything. Maybe there's some three mana stuff that'll make it good, but it excites me for Commander because it's like Sword Mage. What's what's Sword Mage? Well, you can get any of the Sword of Fire and Ice, Sword of Light and Shadow. So it seems really good in Commander because you can tutor up whatever sword is best for your situation. Almost like a Stoneforge, sort of, just for swords, though. Yeah, I agree. I think Commander is where it's at. And plus, you can blink it for fun to get more stuff. And there's a lot of converted mana cost 3 artifacts to play in Commander. 
Standard remains to be seen. I don't know if there's any playable ones. Are there any three converted mana cost cards in this standard? Cultivator's Caravan? Yeah, not exactly what you want to be doing. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> that's like the best one that popped into my head. So uh, not that Trap- I can. Scrounger is two or three? Two. Scrounger's two. two. Thank God. Smuggler's Copter is two. <laughs> that would be miserable. Um, yeah, Cultivator's Caravan is the only one I'm seeing that's on the list of like yeah. the 50 most played cards. So. Uh, although there's another new card that happens to cost three mana on our list. Yeah. yeah. So we have Scrap Trawler, three uh, color, colorless, three generic mana. I confused myself. <laughs> <laughs> three two artifact creature construct. When Scrap Trawler or another artifact you control is put in a graveyard from the battlefield, return to your hand target artifact card in your graveyard with lesser converted mana cost. Eh. I'd rather just play Scrap Heap Scrounger. <laughs> Maybe there's like some combo potential that I'm not seeing right now where there's some synergy that'll come up, but just as playing this for a value card doesn't really seem that practical to me. So you can go infinite in EDH, right? Just like zero converted mana cost artifacts and a sack outlet. But doesn't it have to be less? Doesn't it say with converted mana cost? Oh, less. Less. Oh. Nah, so if you have zero, then you'd have to get like negative converted mana cost. Uh, this is, so I'll have yeah. to wait for future site two. <laughs> this is not I, broken. Never mind. Not fun. Well, I looked at the you can do some interesting stuff with like Arcbound Ravager and Ornithopter. Uh like what? Well, if you sacrifice the Ravager I don't know. You can only do it like a couple times, right? Like no, Ornithopter. Yeah, you can, yeah, yeah, you can't. No, never mind. It's it seems like it's intentionally made in a way to prevent you from comboing with it and just use it as a value card. Uh, that doesn't mean there's not a way of breaking it, and I'm sure there could be a, some sort of cool plays you could make with it, but it seems very difficult to go infinite with it the way it's worded. I still think you can do something with the Colossus, though. They're both zero. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> All right, we'll wait for someone to break it yeah. in the comments for us. There must be some loophole that Wizards forgot about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next card, we got our last card, Quicksmith Rebel. Three and a red for 3-2 Human Artificer. When Quicksmith Rebel enters a battlefield, target artifact you control gains tap. This artifact deals two damage to target creature or player for as long as you control Quicksmith Rebel. This is horrible, right? I was going to say. I mean, this is why, this is what I'm talking about. Like, this is why so many decks get away with what they can get away with. is because red is just horrible. <laughs> I mean, this is what red gets. I mean, <laughs> this, I, this is a combo card. Oh. Like, it, I mean, you can't just yeah. play it. You need some weird combo with an untapping artifact. Uh, you don't know if one exists. Uh, yeah, Richard, I don't listen. As a, as someone who plays red, I don't want play around cards. Just give me Hellrider, <laughs> okay? I don't want to think about what artifact, you know, I, you know, maybe they print Voltaic Key or something like that. I just want Hellrider. Why can't we just get a Hellrider? Come on. I mean, oh, I I why, think they're why gets you experience and we get, you know, red gets this. I mean, <laughs> Uh, it's probably not that horrible. I think it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, Come on. I think if it was three damage, I would be much more excited. Two damage just doesn't kill anything. Like, what is two damage kill in standard? You also need to have like an artifact sitting around doing nothing, whose sole purpose is yeah. to tap for damage, which is also <laughs> not ideal. <laughs> like if you had the, nice... the wellsprings yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Icker Wellspring. Oh yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, giving giving your metalwork clauses tap to do deal two damage isn't necessarily what you want to be doing. But at the at the end of the day, it's like, oh, that's a nice spell quell you got there. Can't do anything about it. But here's my three four mana three two. Maybe maybe we're not seeing the whole picture, and there's some sort of like untap mechanic or something in this set. But just on its face, this card doesn't strike me as playable, and it makes what promo is this? Is this game day? This is no, uh, no, it's pre-release. Pre-release, but pre-release is random, right? Where you get no, whatever no, no. you well, feel oh, like sorry, from the release set. day. Release day. Oh, okay. Oh, release day. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, they probably could have printed something better than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, do we want to write an article about how they can make better release day promos? 
someone someone tweeted tweeted at me and was very upset that it neither had haste or was a rebel so they were very upset about the name oh wow it's not even a rebel oh wow you're right (laughs) oh my that's that has to be in that has to go in uh richard's big book of that's a fail i mean you can't put the name rebel (laughs) in it it's like a quick smith rebel but it's not actually a rebel like why oh that is richard's book just keeps getting bigger and bigger well it's better at least he didn't have like ally Oh, <laughs> that's a human <laughs> artificer ally for some reason. Oh man, oh, that's that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. All right, I think that's all the spoilers. So, yeah, interesting. Uh, I, I'm I'm liking Aether Revolt so far. I think there's going to be some potential. I actually hope that Yehenny's experience, like that card, is actually a cycle. Although it would be kind of insane for modern, but. Uh, yeah, so I, I, that was my first thought too. Is it could be a cycle, but I, I I don't know. I I don't know why Wizards keeps doing that. The one way they mess things up is the in the modern era of card design is by printing these crazy cost reduction effects. That's a one time they tend to break things. Like look at Emrakul for example, and they still keep making those mechanics for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. That is that is true. Uh, so let's let's uh, talk about. All the tournaments that happened this weekend. So, <laughs> huge. It was, it's a completely different conversation from last week. But uh, Seth, you can't complain for you can't complain for at least a little while about standard, <laughs> right? Well, well, uh, well, standard is still pretty horrible. But okay. <laughs> the Panharmonicon making the top eight has temporarily pacified me. I can't throw shade at standard for at least like another week or two. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean. Well, we just talked about this, right? I mean, a lot of this weekend fell on the resurgence of Aetherworks Marvel. And we were just stating that that the Aetherworks Marvel list was kind of creeping up. It was was doing well. It really can take over uh, a game in terms of battling the the green-black delirium, I guess, monster that was kind of happening uh, the last few weeks. So uh, it has a really good matchup against that. Apparently, there's a few ways to build this deck now. Some went Naya, most went green-red. But we saw a lot of different flavors, including some spicy stuff like uh, the new Sigarda. So I don't know. I just wanted your thoughts on that because... I mean, essentially, we're back to a three-deck standard, and largely that's been at least bearable in, in years past. So, for someone who hasn't been paying attention to coverage for the last month or so, can you guys explain to me what happened, or what is the new tech, and why this deck resurged? Because basically, my understanding coming out of the Pro Tour, when it was, I guess, Teamer, more or less, was that uh, this deck crushes Green-Black Delirium but folds to blue-white flash. And because of that, it kind of just fell by the wayside, and then we had our two-deck metagame. But what happened, or what have people done or discovered, such that this deck is now a thing and putting up good results? Well, there's two things, really. There's two big ones. First off, black-green delirium sort of crap up towards 20% of the metagame, which I think naturally gave people a reason to mess around with Marvel. Like, yeah, you're going to run into blue-white, and that's not a good matchup, but if green-black delirium, which is a great matchup, is 20% of the field, maybe you can make it work even if blue-white isn't great, or maybe you can make a Etherworks Marvel deck that isn't that bad against blue-white. And that's the second thing, and the biggest thing is this deck is almost unrecognizable compared to the Pro Tour deck. Yes, it's doing the same thing, but it's a real deck now. If you watch the Pro Tour, they were playing... Oh, man. What was that card that, like, lets you mill five and you can put any number? Contingency plans. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, it was just playing all these bad cards in basically playing, like, a straight-up combo deck. Like, I'm going to play every bad energy card possible, and I'm going to play as many ways to find Aetherworks as possible, and I'm going to take in Hope to combo off on turn four, and that's good enough. These new builds are actually capable of ramping into their Eldrazi. They're playing some of the graveyard-based uh, spells like Vessel of Nascency. They're also playing Ishkana to be able to clog up, uh, I guess, the air essentially against blue-white since Ishkana makes all these flyers very 
very good in those matchups, playing Chandra's and a bunch of like legitimate cards. So instead of being like this glass cannon combo deck, this is essentially like a almost a delirium Etherworks Marvel hybrid that, yeah, it can still win on turn four when it gets its nut draw, but it can also just play a real game and cast an Emrakul on turn six or seven, backing that up with Ishkana's and Chandra's and play like a kind of a rampy mid-range delirium game as well. And that gives the deck game in the blue-white matchups while still letting it beat the green-black decks. And that's why we're seeing Etherworks shoot up towards the top of the format, I think. Yeah, I mean, you brought up some good points. I mean, this deck has really pivoted since uh, the Pro Tour decks. And it, it definitely seems like they have taken, like, the deck builders and, and everyone that has played this over this last weekend took a lot of what was going on in the meta. They, they already knew that this is pretty much a lock against Black Green Delirium. I mean, they really can't interact with what you're doing. But you're right. I mean, Seth, this isn't really just I'm just going all in on the Marvel. This has, like, kind of turned into a ramp deck that they've, they've made some conscious de decisions about how we're going to play the blue-white flash game. And, and you're right. We're seeing Ishkana come back. We're seeing uh, Chandra being uh, thrown in there as, as a way to kind of deal with these avisons and 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 to clog up the board against all these flyers um so it's not just i'm just going to try to rely on my marvel they're going to counter it with spell queller and basically i lose the game uh they they have definitely changed their game plan uh to kind of be a lot better against the the flash game because they they already knew that the the black green delirium matchup was already really good and I think the deck is much scarier now. I've played oh, against yeah. it on Magic Online, and in the, the old versions of the deck, that deck wasn't really scary. Like, yeah, sort of like in Modern, it'll occasionally get really good draws and kill you, but all you really got to do is play, like, Negates or Void Shatters or something, and the whole deck just, like, crumbles under itself if you can stop their Marvel. This deck, I try to play that same game, bring in my counter spells from my sideboard, and the deck just, like, doesn't care. They, like... Just sure you counter my Etherworks Marvel. Two turns later, I'm just gonna Emrakul you for full value out of my hand, and you're like, oh, like I guess just bringing in the gates isn't like the be all and end all for beating Etherworks Marvel anymore. So it can attack on a lot more different, uh, many different planes compared to the old versions, which makes it much more resilient and much harder to deal with. Uh, I don't know if I'd ever lost to Etherworks Marvel in games when they didn't draw or resolve an Etherworks Marvel with the old versions. In this version, very regularly doesn't draw Etherworks and still can win just by playing a normal game of Magic. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think uh, that's kind of been the hidden build all along is that you kind of have to just treat this deck like a ramp deck and the Aetherworks Marvel is the secondary win condition. Like you just said, Seth, like, if they deal with the Aetherworks Marvel, you still have a pivot to your large high-end cards. Emrakul, you have Ishkanan now. Now and and they threw in uh, so Jacob uh, Ba Bo oh man yeah I <laughs> think it's gonna ba. Get, okay that's gonna get <laughs> some some feedback uh like I, I love just the random cards like Sigarda and some some awesome sideboard tech to just come in and 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 just throw a monkey wrench in a lot of what black green delirium or or just having a large flyer that can deal with Avison profitably. I mean, it's just, this deck can, you said it perfectly, it can now attack on a multitude of different facets. And, and the deck that won the Invitational doesn't even have Ulamogs. Ulamogs right. are completely gone from the deck. And Sigarda, I think... Uh, the beauty of that is it feels like Jacob and his team realized that Marvel was going to be big and Sigarda is like the mirror breaker because Emrakul can't seal your turn anymore. So if you get your Sigarda down, it, it seems super great if you're going to be playing Aetherworks Marvel mirrors all day. Yeah, or against Delirium, which is trying to ultimately yep. Emrakul you as well. So I think this is awesome. Uh, we'll see where this goes because obviously there's still some room for some innovation too. I mean, a Panharmonicon deck went really far into the tournament. Uh, I think it was the, it was Chiba. No, no, that was in Denver. No. And there, Denver, there were actually Denver, right. four players played blue, white Panharmonicon and three ended up in the top 64 with one in the top eight. So the deck had a really good weekend in a small sample size. Yeah. So I don't know, Seth, maybe, uh, maybe there is some, 
some optimism before at least uh, Aether, uh, Aether Revolt comes out. <sighs> it's not over yet. It's not. It's not. But I think uh, it's not totally doom and gloom either. No, I think I feel better about Standard after this weekend. I think that there's still some concerns. Uh, still not convinced that Emrakul is a healthy magic card for Standard. But this weekend was much more encouraging compared to some of the past weekends because it wasn't like 80% blue-white and, and green-black. And a three-deck Standard is not ideal, but it's better than a two-deck Standard. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. So... Let's just uh, let's just go to the fish mail, Richard. Um, we have a we have a few of these, so we wanted to kind of squeeze them all in here. Um, if you want to hear about the FNM promos, just just read the article. It's a really good article, and it's just kind of a shame that you have to write an article, basically reminding them that they used to be good at picking FNM promos. <laughs> but uh, let, let's uh, let's handle the fish mail. Yeah, let's. So if you want your questions answered, you can tweet at. MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fishmail, and we'll answer your questions on air. So, first question from at Baylor. I can brew a deck that works, but how do you go from a deck that works to a great deck? Um, I think that's uh, that's primarily about the metagame, in my opinion. Like, a deck that works is awesome, but it has to be a deck that can compete with the other big things that are going on in the format. So that's kind of kind of the test i've had to scrap so many decks recently that are functional and seem really cool but then when i have to play green black delirium or blue white flash or whatever i realize like i can't beat these decks and i have to go back to the drawing board so test it against the big decks in the format if you can tune it in a way to actually win at least one or maybe two of the big three matchups then you're really getting somewhere all right. Next question was asked by two people, actually. So from at Streakist and from at Devilbug, what do you guys think about no rare standard? So I guess popper Ooh. standard, or I guess standard without the rares. Is it right. better? Is it a better format uh, for newbies and brewers? And it's a simple upgrade path uh, from sealed slash draft. Yeah, actually, I think that's a pretty good idea. Although, I think including rares wouldn't be so bad. I mean, considering if we're... I would have to think, you know, you're doing this to kind of draw people in and play standard and not have to pay so much to play a standard deck. But I think I would like this a little bit better if you did include rares but discluded mythics. Because then it's kind of just like almost like you're playing popper. And then you might as well just play popper. Yeah, and I think isn't this kind of penny dreadful you get bulk yeah. rares like i think penny dreadful right. is no cards is it actually a penny over a penny it's probably on, Moto, uh, right? on magic online yeah. prices so it's yeah. basically you get bulk rares and stuff as well and they periodically uh, recalibrate the list so if something spikes or something it gets removed so maybe i mean there seems to be interest but the question is can you get enough people and is the format interesting enough so that it doesn't get solved immediately. And I, the only way to figure out is to try it, right? It's interesting. I would like to hear some comments. So if anyone has tried this, let me know what you think about the format and how it played out. Yeah, yeah same. That actually, that actually feels like a really good idea. All right, next question. Uh, also from two people, Eric Judd111 in Shade of Hades. Top picks slash shoe-ins for Modern Masters 2017. What are your predictions? Let's let's throw out some cards. Snapcaster Mage. Yep, Liliana is at the top of my list. You took all the good cards. What's left? <laughs> uh, are we seeing another Noble Hierarch? Can you think Noble Hierarch? Getting a second mm. run. Tarmogoy for a third time? Probably. <sighs> uh, very possible. I mean, uh, we could see more reprints. Uh, Karn is another possibility that's crept up there. I'm really crossing my fingers and hoping we get some... Like, engineered explosives is way expensive for what it does. Uh, cards like that that could really use a reprinting price-wise, but are kind of awkward in the draft format. But I'm really looking at the the newer cards that are just entering from, like, Innistrad block and Return to Ravnica block. And there's not a lot of high-end cards, 
But I could imagine like Domri Raid being included. Uh, I could imagine uh, some of the other random mythics like Sphinx's Revelation, cards like that that are like a little bit expensive, kind of played in modern, uh, but from the newest sets because I think Wizards will want to show off the new additions this year. I think if it doesn't have Liliana of the Veil, Snapcaster Mage, and Cavern of Souls, it's a failure. I mean, those are like the three marquee cards of the the time frame that you are now including. So if those three cards aren't in it, I don't even know what we're talking about. The only like, thing why I even would, include Innistrad? The only thing I would say is I think that Cavern could be standard reprintable. Mm, yeah, maybe. But the other two, I think, almost yeah. have to be in. I, hopefully Snapcaster is a rare, Liliana's a mythic, and... The world is a happy place. Ooh, what do you think about Snapcaster Mythic? Will the internet explode? Ooh. Uh, I, I will I will I also, explode. <laughs> I also do think we're going to see some a lot of the cards that haven't been reprinted before, like the Through the Breach, the Death Shadows, you know, the blood gas of the world. Yeah. Right. Those are reasonable. Solid list, and they'll choose like five of them and put the rest with comet storms and you know, <laughs> optimistic stuff. <still>. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many good cards that I hope. I hope it's actually good. I hope there's some good uncommons. Are there any good uncommons from the recent sets? Mm, uh, we already said Lingering Souls was not going to be there because it's too OP for limited. Can we? Did, can we still there, hope? Have, have might have did might have Old Crosa get printed yet? Uh, it did not. It's not especially recent, but it hasn't been reprinted. The problem is none of the new uncommons are expensive, but I could imagine like the Charm cycle with Boros yeah. Charm uh, being. Uh, printed Boros Charm's a couple dollars, but there's not a lot of high value uncommons from most recent well, sets. Young Pyromancer, is that eligible? Ooh, ooh, uh, yes, but it just got reprinted in Eternal Masters, didn't it? It still could show up again though. But yeah, if it's eligible, yeah. that could be reasonable. Timely reinforcements is like up to three bucks and kind of yeah. in the new time frame. That's a possibility or. Uh, and a lot of it depends on the archetypes, like Goblin Grenades, almost two bucks now, but is Goblins going to be a tribe that's supported? Eh, I don't know. All right. Next question from at random Keho, based on GP Chiba, in terms of cost, attendance, and how it's perceived, what is the best price of admission for a GP? So Seth, can you tell us how much GP Chiba costs? Okay, so GP Chiba was capped at 2,500 people and was 1,200 yen, which equals out to right around $100, depending on the exchange rate. Uh, but the big deal was it was all VIP. So you got free snacks, you got feed, free drinks, whatever else comes along, like, I don't know, sleep-in specials and the stuff that comes along with the VIP package. So basically, the only entry option was to pay $100, but you got the full VIP treat. And was this perceived well or poorly? Uh, it seemed like it was perceived well from what I saw on social media from people who played at it, but then I heard a lot of people who are kind of in the, the tournament scene or have been involved in like SCG events and stuff saying they didn't know if that model would be practical because of convention centers and the food and like how the whole thing works. They didn't know if that model could be ported over to every GP because of like practical concerns. Yeah, gosh, that's just, that just seems like a lot. I don't know if you can do that every single GP. Yeah, I think GPs are too expensive already. Yeah, that's like a normal yeah. GP at like sixty or seventy-five dollars. You know, and you probably had to travel to get to your GP and split a hotel, split a car ride or a flight, and now you got to pay so much money to play Magic and eat bad food. Was that non-convention food at least? Did they like bring it in from somewhere? But <laughs> that I don't know. It's just so expensive to play Magic and. I, I don't know. It's like, not only do you have to pay $120, you need to play Magic for like 14 hours as well. <laughs> it's just, it's just not appealing to me. And I would rather have GPs cost like 20 I'd rather have them have no prizes. Like, for some reason, you get no prize if you top eight. You know, you get your Pro Tour invite or whatever, but like no actual prize and rather, you know, be like a $20 tournament. Yeah, I mean, what happened to like $30? I mean... Uh... I, I remember, does, is CFB still the only one that, that does this? I mean, why can't you just have a tiered buy-in? Like, bare bones, then you go up in price and you get X stuff. I mean, why can't you just have that? Like, I don't understand. It's got to make money. I guess. I mean, there's only like yeah. 2,500 people fit in this hall, right? right? So you might as well yeah. cut out all the freebie players and like get the high roller players right. in, right? And in uh, from the, I don't know who ran it over there, but from their perspective, they sold out like... 
a while before the actual tournament. So they got 2,500 people to pay them $100 to go. So Yeah, I guess. I mean, it was definitely convention food, I'll tell you that, I think. We're, uh, we're starting what the, I saw. the it was social like... divide in Magic the Gathering <laughs> events now. <laughs> it's like, this yeah. one is for the high rollers. <laughs> but hopefully, maybe it works, and hopefully this is not the only model. Like, if this works, great, but hopefully there's some, like, exact opposite GPs, like the freebie GP as well. And then you have like a balance or spectrum of events that you can go to depending on what your needs are. It would be interesting to have a GP with no playmat, none of the extras, because I think like part of the cost is attributable to those things. Like you get your playmat for entering your sleeves or whatever. So maybe cut out all that stuff and just see how cheap you can make it with it still being viable and see what attendance look like. But that's how they make their money. It's kind of like the popcorn at the movie theater. You know, it costs like a hundred times more than what it should cost. (laughs) But like, that's how they make their money. So like forcing you to buy their playmat and sleeves and stuff is like kind of where they're making the money from. Uh, That's that's true. All right. Next question from Proud Daddy 0312. Which magic set best describes you as a player? And did you most enjoy? Theros. (laughs) <laughs> i didn't know you were such a big theros fan jazz no 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 <laughs> uh, i think it's for me it's it's time spiral or time spiral block i guess just with there's so much jank in that with the color shifting and uh so many just weird sweet cards and that i think describes how i like to play magic finding these weird synergies and cards that don't really fit in most decks and finding a way to make use of them and that's like to me, the best example of that out of all the sets. I could have pegged you. You always use a Lara. It's not a Lara. That was, uh, I guess. Mine has to be the Kamigawa, like, first, the first set of the original Ravnica. Like, that was just, like, the best time of Magic for me. So, if I had to choose one, I'd probably guess the original Ravnica. So, City of Guilds. My choice is original Innistrad. That's when I return to Magic. Some of my favorite cards are from that set. Liliana the Veil, Snapcaster Mage, Tragic Slip, Desperate Ravings. All those good cards. Lingering Souls in that block as well. So I like Innistrad, and the limited format was probably the best limited format of all time. So everything about that set was crazy. And it was zombies. Like, how can you not love the lore and flavor of that set? So I think Innistrad is kind of the pinnacle of Magic the Gathering design, and it's my favorite set of all time. Uh, next question from Hexwrench Prod. When I started MVG, I got tricked into trading a foil scalding tarn for Gideon. Do you guys have stories of being scammed? Ooh, uh, I I would have to th- I would have to think really far back. I don't know about ever getting scammed, but I lost a playset of Noble Hierarch. You lost uh, or was stolen? I, no, it was. It, I I definitely lost it. <laughs> so you scammed yourself, sort of. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, I've never been scammed playing the game, but I got scammed uh, in my collection buying pursuits one time pretty pretty hardcore, bought a collection, I forget what it was, 2500 bucks maybe, and it was a lot of modern staples, and it was someone that I knew and kind of trusted because I had bought cards from several times before, so I didn't really do the due diligence that I would with the cards with someone I didn't know. So when I got home and started going through it, all the high-end stuff was Chinese counterfeits, the Tarmogoyfs and the Fetchlands. So that's the uh, the biggest scam I've ever gotten uh, got Ooh, by. I think I remember that story. That was a while, a couple years ago yeah. at least. But yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, like Chaz, I have mysteriously lost my cards. I lost two Verdant Catacombs. I don't know where they went. Like one day they just disappeared and they weren't stolen. I think they I just misplaced them somewhere. Uh, I thought I got scammed once. I bought three Tarmogoyfs on eBay and I was sent four. And I was like, what? Why do I have four? And then when I was talking to the, the seller, like English was probably not his native language or something. It like sounded really shady and was emailing me from alternate accounts and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what kind of scam this is, but I just gave him back his card and nothing bad happened. So it wasn't a scam, but it was very suspicious that I got an extra magic Tarmogoyf and I had to spend a lot of time making sure my Tarmogoyfs were indeed authentic because it was super shady. But that was my closest scam. In fact, I could have scammed the other guy. I could have just took his Tarmogoyf and not told him. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not a scam at all then. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Next question from Luigi Carlin. 
how do you guys feel about Alpha Investments channel on YouTube? So I know I know Seth has watched Rudy. Have you watched Rudy, Chaz? What do you think? I have, and I, I'm not gonna throw shade on people, but I, I just I don't appreciate. And this, I guess, is just a general statement, like the clickbaity, like you know, just stuff that lures you in. And then you know, I've watched some some of his videos, and you know, it's a hit or miss uh, for me because sometimes it's like. I'll watch a 10 minute video in five minutes. It's like the same thing, just like repeated, like multiple times. And it's like, so we're halfway into the video and we didn't even say anything yet. But I mean, I, again, you, not everything could be a winner, but I mean, I think he's successful in this and found his niche, you know, with, with, uh, I guess on YouTube and with certain, you know, a certain percentage of the community. So, uh, I find Rudy incredibly entertaining, but I, probably only agree with him like 40% of the time or something. So I, I watch him for the entertainment value. Cause I think he's really funny in his videos, the way he puts them together are entertaining, but don't necessarily agree with his hot takes much of the time. Yeah. I watch precisely because of the clickbait. <laughs> I actually like it when he sits on mounds and mounds of modern masters <laughs> boxes. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But I, I, I find him very entertaining, but like that said, take what he says with a grain of salt. He provides interesting insight being a store owner, but I wouldn't take his word as gospel. But as an entertaining personality, I think he's up there. I really enjoy his videos and kind of right. the random shenanigans he does to get views uh, is, is pretty fun and pretty good marketing. I, I enjoy it. And I'm sure his store is very well off for his YouTube channel. So uh, next question from Kyoji Takenochi. What's stopping Watsi from making larger sets? More cards that makes more archetypes, uh, makes more diverse standard. They well, used I think to. They, yeah, go, yeah, they have. But I think, well, whatever they're doing is working since Battle for Zendikar. So uh, I, I think, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't really want to change like a winning formula here. Yeah, I, I'm fine with the set sizes that they have. I would rather have them make... Uh, really well done sets that are smaller than print 400 card sets that are fill uh, a full of chaff and like cards just to fill out the set, which I think is kind of what happened with some of the big sets from the old days. So I'm fine with the the smaller set size. Yeah, and more cards doesn't mean more playable cards, right? More cards means more you know draft fodder and other cards that may not see the light of day so i think just focusing on making quality sets rather than bigger sets uh is what wizards needs to do uh down the final stretch we have three more questions uh from jamborama seth wrote an article on the importance of hosers and standard uh this is good for standard but don't narrow hate cards lead to greater variance and the sideboard the sideboard size issue in modern um <laughs> I don't know if it's the the sizeboard side issue is because of the hate cards or it's because modern has so many broken things that you simply the hate cards exist in modern because they've been printed over such a long period of time. I think it's more that the the decks you're trying to fight against are so diverse and attacking on so many different levels. You just don't have enough slots to play all the sideboard cards that you want. So I think it's more the other end of the chicken and the egg in my in my opinion, at least. I think the viewer is correct here that Wizards actually agrees that if you have like super duper hate cards like Rest in Peace, it does lead to this variance. It's like, did I draw it? Yes, I win. I didn't draw it. I lose against Dredge. So they've been trying not to do it, but maybe they've gone too far. Maybe their hate is so weak that it's not hate anymore. So I think it's, you know, striking a fine balance. Uh, whereas in Modern, you know, you, I don't think you need choke, choke or boil. I don't think... Uh, <laughs> Those cards are absolutely <laughs> necessary, but, you know, those are kind of the, you know, did you tap out? Oh, choke, you're dead, you know? So I, I don't think we need those cards, but something a little better, uh, or a little a little better than what we have in Standard, but not as extreme as what we see in Modern. Uh, next question from Tomaz. Do you think that Moto would work without the cards being programmed, similar to Cockatrice? So basically just have a table with cards and you're kind of enforced you're forced to enforce your own rules 
No. no. Oh my no. god. <laughs> That's the biggest reason I gave up ever playing Cockatrice is yeah. because it is so miserable because people don't understand the rules. It's not like you're at a tournament with a judge to ask. Yep. So you get people that uh, rage quit because I like remand their spell or they remanded my spell and they thought I couldn't recast it in the same turn because I don't know why you would think remand was like reflector mage, but having a rules engine is essential for magic online. So yeah, I agree, but I do wish they had a free form room where you could do basically this and that would let us play all these formats that are not officially sanctioned uh, by wizards. So remember when tiny leaders was a thing, uh, a lot of people ask for us to play Commander Clash with commanders that aren't commanders. We can't do that. Uh, so if they had a way to la- relax the rules or just had a freeform area, that would be pretty cool. That would be sweet. Uh, last question, at Artemis201, how do judge foils work? What type of cards drop a lot? Which hold values? How does pricing change between Commander, Modern, Legacy, uh, Staples? Is it ever correct to not sell immediately? Oh, geez. What do you guys know that about judge like promos? That sounds like an entire article. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have like to do a... some research to answer all that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely not something we can talk about out the door because that's I don't even have all that in front of me. All right, so we'll hold um, that one, and maybe we yeah. can get Seth to write an article about judge foils because that is an interesting topic because we see judge foils all the time randomly on people's social media or something. I don't know why they don't officially spoil these things. But they pop up and people always ask, you know, what, what is up with this? Is there actual supply and what's going to happen to my cards? Yeah, so- I think the, cor- you know, just off the top of my head, I think the correct answer is sell immediately, but I'm not sure. It might not be for every single one. That, I think generally. Yeah, I would agree with that as a general rule, but I've never yeah. researched like legacy right. versus vintage versus modern. Like, so that's all the stuff I'd have to look into, but typically with any sort of new card most of the time you get the most money if you either sell it right away or plan on holding it for a long long time in some situations yeah all right that is all of our fish mail i think this has been a great cast we got to all the fish mail there was a lot thanks for everyone every week for sending those in if we don't get to your fish mail like uh like this last one here we will either hold it for for next time or go you know go further outside of the the cast um so we like to get to every single one gentlemen it's been a great cast we'll see if we have any more exciting things from aether revolt but uh yeah we will do this again next week thanks everyone for uh joining us see you next time